Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of Activate God's Purpose, where we yield our humanity to God's divinity. Today, let's talk about being drunk until you give birth. Being drunk until you give birth. Drunk with what? Drunk with a vision. Drunk with a mission, drunk with prayer, drunk with worship. Worship to who? To God Almighty, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Drunk with the Holy Spirit. Drunk in the presence of God. For what purpose? To become who God says that you are, my brother. To become who God says that you are, my sister, my friend, dear listener. Drunk with what? With the things of this world? No. That type of drunkenness will destroy. It leads to destruction. We're talking about being drunk with the presence of God that empowers you, that strengthens you, that gives you courage, no matter what you're facing. And these are hard times. These are troubling times. Being drunk in troubling times. Let's be drunk in these troubling times, in these times of trial, these times of agony, of grief, of challenges, of turbulence, these times of not knowing what's going to happen next, not knowing what's going to happen next on the job, in your family, with your children, with your life, with your finances, with everything and with everyone. Cultures and traditions and systems of men are falling, are crumbling. God is revealing himself more and more and he's showing, he's showing the world, he's showing the world that he is real. There's a difference between those who listen and those who don't listen. There, there are consequences for those who pay attention and those who don't pay attention. But we can never blame God for showing who he is, for showing that he is real, for demonstrating and illustrating that he is real and he is true. God is real, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, my listeners. God is real. Seek him, pursue him, and you will find him. Ask him if he's real. Let him show himself to you. God is real and he cannot be mocked. And if we mock him and we push him aside and we act like he's not real and we don't follow his ways, that is quite frankly to our own detriment. He's real. If you're going to be drunk with anything, if you're going to be drunk about anyone, if you're going to be drunk about a mission and a vision, let it be about God. Let it be about Jesus. Let it be about the Holy Spirit. When you make an agreement with God, He does more and He adds more to that agreement than you ever could. Whereas the systems of the world People, when you make agreements with them, you tend to end up giving more than was agreed to or agreed upon, right? It, it takes out of you. It, 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 um, it depletes you. A lot of times the agreements we make with other people deplete us. They don't complete us, right? So if you want to be drunk, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be filled with him. When you're filled with God, 
it, it's it's a wonderful feeling. It's wonderful laughter. It's lots of healing. It's um, it's it's a joy that you cannot comprehend, but you pass it on to others. It's a joy that strengthens. It's a peace that builds a fortress around your mind, around your soul, around your spirit. It's a fortress that no matter what's going on around you, when the Bible says, be still and know that I am God, you decide to be still and know that he is God. And you see him come through for you. There's a, a, um, there's a peace knowing that God is fighting for you. There's a peace knowing that God is winning battles for you. There's a peace knowing that God will vindicate you. God will vindicate you. You're his. And anything or anyone who touches you, he will come for. He will come after. He fights for you. He's jealous for you. Hmm. So we're talking about being drunk. We're talking about being drunk. Drunk with what? And why be drunk with God? Why be drunk with the Holy Spirit? Why be drunk with Jesus? Because Jesus is the way. Because the Holy Spirit is here to guide us, to lead us, to protect us, to give us wisdom, insight, understanding, discernment to give us strength and courage and boldness, to help us to become the image in which God created us in, in his likeness and in his nature. If you're going to be drunk with someone, let it be Jesus who died for you on the cross. Let it be Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life Let's take this story from 1 Samuel chapter 1. And let's look at this woman who understood that even if she drank wine or beer, those were not the things to get drunk on or drunk with or drunk for. She understood what I almost want to say true drunkenness. She understood what true drunkenness was. When I, when I say true drunkenness, I mean drunkenness that will lead you to the truth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. Drunkenness that will lead you to God, who knows you, who is your maker, who knows how you are built and how you function and what you're here for. He knows your divine purpose. He gave it to you. You know, drunkenness toward Jesus, who laid his life down for you and I and our loved ones and our friends and for this world. He says, whosoever will come to me. You see, we people put conditions on who can come to God, who can come to Jesus, who can come to the Holy Spirit. He says, whosoever. So I, I don't know how far gone how far gone you think you are, but he's ready and waiting for you. So in um, 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to read and break it down as we go. This, what is this type of drunkenness? 
um, and forgive me if I don't pronounce the names of the people and the places properly. Uh, it's a bit challenging for me, but <laughs> we'll get through it. And best thing to do is you also get a Bible so you can see uh, what we're reading uh, when you have a chance. So First Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramath, Ramathaim, or Ramath, Ramathaim, a Zufite, from the hill of, from the hill hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. They were both wives of Elkanah, Penina and Hannah. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Have you ever been in a situation where everybody around you has something, but you feel like you have nothing? And it makes you feel like nothing. And it makes you feel insecure. And there are ways that people will treat you because you don't have what they have, because you don't look the way they look, because you don't do things the way they do things, and they ostracize you or look down at you or disrespect you or reject you. Let me tell you something. When people treat you like that, don't focus on them. Look within yourself. Look at yourself and challenge yourself not to prove anything to them, but to make yourself better for you. Go to God. He says he is our helper. He is the glory and the lifter up of our heads. He's our most high God, our most high father, who knows and sees all things, sees everything about you, knows everything about you, your past, your present, your future. Go to him and ask him, who am I? Who should I be? What have I become and who should I be? What should I do? How do I build myself? What have you put in me? Don't focus on the naysayers. Don't focus on the mockers. Don't focus on those putting you down and looking at you funny. Go to your maker. That's how you handle that stuff. Don't feel sorry for yourself. I know it hurts. I know it, it makes you feel bad, you know, but don't feed on that. Instead, go and be drunk with God. Be drunk with questions that you ask him, you know, to ask him, have to be drunk with conversations with God. Be drunk with prayers with God, to God. Be drunk with worship to God. Be drunk with what, where should I go? What should I do? Who should I connect with? Be drunk with those things. Be drunk with a mission and a vision. Verse 3, year after year, this man, talking about Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and, and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, 
he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. You know, this man, Elkanah, very loving guy, very loving man. Um, there are some people who, if you don't produce certain things for them, if they consider you barren, if they consider you poor, if they see you as not having a house, a car, a title, a position, you know, in their eyes, you're not successful. They don't treat you with love. They don't treat you with respect. But this man, Elkanah, yes, he gave Penina who had children for him, her sons and daughters, their portions of the meat. But this man was loving and wise. This is a man of character because he did not leave his other wife, Hannah, out just because she did not produce children for him. No, what he did instead was to give her a double portion of the meat It takes a man who understands God, who has walked with God, who has allowed Jesus to be his head, to do something of the sort, to have that level of wisdom and insight and understanding and unconditional love. It takes a woman who has submitted to God, who has submitted to Jesus, who is filled by the Holy Spirit, To understand how to treat a person, a spouse, or or just even if, if it's not a spouse, another human being who doesn't have what you have, another human being who is in lack, who is barren, who nothing good seems to come out of, who nothing, uh, 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 there's nothing for them to give to you. There's nothing for them to give back to you. But you are so drunk with God. You're so filled with him. You're so drunk with Jesus. You're so filled with him. You are so drunk with the Holy Spirit. You're so filled with him that when you see someone who is barren, who is lacking spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, in in, in all sorts of ways, lacking, and you look beyond that, you look beyond their lack, you look beyond their barrenness, and you bless them. You bless them, you uplift them, you assist them. You give them what they need and more. You go out of your way for them, knowing that they probably can never pay you back. And it doesn't matter. That's not what you're looking for. You just love unconditionally. You just give unconditionally. Very difficult to find such people nowadays, but they do exist. There are men like that who exist. There are women like that who exist. We pray to God today. I pray to God that you and I are part of those men and women who exist, who love unconditionally, who will help people, not because of their title, not because of their position, will help them despite their condition, will help them in spite of their situation and circumstance. And expect nothing back. We give them beyond what they even expect. That's what being drunk with God looks like. Being drunk with the Holy Spirit looks like. Being drunk with Jesus looks like. 
What type of drunkenness are you going to choose? You can be drunk with arrogance, drunk with jealousy, drunk with envy, drunk with, with um, the things of this world, the titles, the positions, drunk with the expectations of this world, the systems of this world, or be drunk with the systems of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Whichever you choose will determine how you behave, how you treat yourself, and how you treat other people. It's better to be drunk with the unconditional love of God, with the wisdom of God, the insight and understanding of God, the love of God. It says, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb despite her condition. He loved her and he gave her a double portion. Can you bless someone despite their condition? Can you bless someone despite their situation? Can you bless someone despite what they're going through, what they, they don't look like success, but you decide to support them? They don't look like they're going to make it. They don't look like anything good will come out of them, but you decide to bless them. You decide to give them a double portion of blessings. Verse 7. This went on year after year. Oh, let me go back to verse 5. I'm sorry. Verse 6. Let's go from verse 6. First Samuel. We're still reading First Samuel chapter 1 and now on verse 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, her rival being Penina, who is the other wife of uh, Elkanah, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This woman, Penina, was drunk with a spirit of mockery. She mocked Hannah. She mocked Hannah because she had sons and daughters for Elkanah. And instead of having empathy and compassion for Hannah, she mocked her. She provoked her, he says, in order to irritate her, in order to make her feel bad, in order to make her feel angry, <clears throat> in order for her to feel uh, uh, down and pulled down, in order to, for her to feel miserable and angry about her situation. And verse 7 says, this went on year after year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Imagine being provoked by someone because of your condition and situation and circumstance year after year, pointedly, constantly, repeatedly being provoked by someone deliberately in order to irritate you, in order to bring you down. You're the target year after year to hurt you. And we find this in, in, in workplaces, we find this in our families, we find this with friends, we find this everywhere. You just have people who want to provoke you, who want to hurt you, who take your circumstance and stick it in your eye, who take your situation and stick it in your face, who take your circumstances and slap you with it and remind you constantly of what you don't have, who you're not, what they are and what they have. And how you're not going to amount to anything or you can't cross that bridge or that barrier or you can't climb that mountain. 
you know, my brother, my sister, my friends, listeners, to, to, to conquer such people, to overcome them, you have to be drunk with God. You have to be drunk with the Holy Spirit. You have to be drunk with Jesus. For them to do that, they are drunk with the Spirit, and it's not the Spirit of God. It's a wicked spirit. It's an evil spirit to bring you down and constantly remind you of your emptiness, your loneliness, of what you don't have. Constantly remind you of your lack. Constantly remind you of what you're not. And if you listen to them, you will not see who God says you are. If you pay attention to them, you will not understand that Jesus died for you and why he died for you and what that means for you and to you and your loved ones. If you pay attention to them, you will not understand the presence of the Holy Spirit and why he's here for us, why he's here for you and I and our loved ones in this world. So to defeat the peninas of this world, you have to be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Let's see what Hannah does as an example. So, verse 7, it says, This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. My goodness. Penina provoked Hannah. And Hannah wept and she would not eat. This is at a time when they should be enjoying, when she should be eating meat, enjoying family time, time with friends, you know, just leisure. All of them coming together to celebrate, to enjoy, <clears throat> to be happy. This is a time of laughter and celebration. But she's weeping and she would not eat. She would not, she could not celebrate because this woman, Penina, kept provoking her year after year. Even when they went to the house of the Lord, she was provoking her. So you see, it happens in places of worship as well. You have brothers and sisters mocking other brothers and sisters who might not look like they're successful, who might not look like they have a destiny or a purpose, who might not have the car that they drive, who might not have the house that they live in. Hmm. You know, I love this God. God, the Bible says, will bring what has been uh, uh, um, ostracized, what has been kept in the dark, what has been put down to prominence. We like to say underdog. What you don't think and who you don't think God could and would and can and will raise up, God will raise up. We never know how God is working in a person's life. So we have to be careful not to mock, not to provoke, not to put down, not to destroy. My mom would always say to me, if you cannot build, don't destroy. If you cannot build, don't destroy. Walk away. Don't destroy. You don't know. You don't know. Where I come from, there's a saying, we know today, we don't know tomorrow. You know today, you don't know tomorrow. You don't know where this person's going to be tomorrow. This person that you're mocking, if you are, this person that you're hurting, if you are hurting someone, or maybe it's being done to you. And these people who are mocking you and provoking you <laughs> have no idea who you're going to be tomorrow. And they may even be in a place where they need you. 
And they forget that you are going to remember. You can forgive them. You will forgive, but you will remember who they are and the way they've treated you. And it's, it's so easy for people to take it for granted that they have everything and you don't have anything. And they don't think that or, or realize or know or they're too arrogant to want to know that one day you are going to be somebody. One day, if you choose to be drunk with God, you choose to be drunk with Jesus, you choose to be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness. Your purpose will take you to places that you never dreamt of. Your purpose will take you to places that their mouths will drop open. God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God will anoint your head with oil and your cup will run over. Hmm. You cannot miss the mark when you follow God. You can't. Because he will lead you. He will guide you. And sometimes I know it's difficult following God. And sometimes it's, you know, God, I'm like, I say to him, well, what is your will? What do you want me to do? And now I've just reached that place where I'm so broken, where I say, you know, uh, <laughs> you make the decisions now, God. You lead me, Holy Spirit. You choose for me. And I find so much more peace in that because otherwise my head and my mind and my spirit start spinning because I'm looking for direction. I'm looking for what the next step is. I'm trying to figure out what the next best decision is. Now I just say, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That is my drunkenness. That is my drink. That is my bread. That is my water. That is my breath. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Why did you die for me, Jesus? Who am I to you, O oh God? What do you want out of me and from me? Who do you want me to be? Let me be drunk with that. Let me not look at my circumstances, my situation, my agonies, my grief, my pain, my torment, the turbulence in my life. Let me keep my eyes upon you. It says, the Bible says, looking up to the looking up to the author and the finisher of our faith. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith? Jesus. You know, um, David, when, when, huh, hallelujah, David in um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8, read that story as well. It says that, um, you know, David inquired at the Lord saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. You see, David was drunk with God. He knew who to go to for times of trouble. He knew who to go to for times of turbulence and grief and tragedy. He knew who to go to when he was abused and put down when he knew who to go to, when he was talked down, when he was almost toned to death by his own people because they were angry at him because of their loss, because of the circumstances and situations facing them, their people had been kidnapped by the Amalekites and they were grieving and they wanted to stone David to death. He was their leader and he wanted to, they wanted to just stone him. What did he do? He asked uh, uh, um, the priest to bring him the effort if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 7, it says, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, 
I pray thee, bring me hither the effort. And Abiathar brought thither the effort to, to David. You know? And so, who do you go to? And what do you go to? What do you become drunk with when you face situations that are extremely difficult? When you face death, when you face sickness and disease, when you face challenges, when you face shame and confusion, when you have to look your mistakes in the eye, who do you go to? I pray that you will do what David did. He said, bring me the presence, bring me the effort, E-P-H-O-D. In other words, bring me the, the presence of God. I want to seek God. And then he asks God the question, what should I do? And God says, go ahead and pursue the enemy. You will definitely, most surely overtake. You will most surely overtake. You will rescue all. You will gain everything back. You will get everything back that you lost. And he did. He followed God's instruction and he got everything back. That him and his soldiers and the men and families lost. They recovered all. So who do you go to when you are consumed with trouble and problems? What do you get drunk with? Do you get drunk with wine? Do you get drunk with drugs? Do you get drunk with sex? Do you get drunk with whatever coping mechanism? Do you get drunk with anger? Do you get drunk with envy and jealousy? Do you get drunk being cocky and arrogant? What do you do? Or do you turn to God and ask him the questions? What should I do? How should I handle this? What spirit do you become drunk with when you're faced with challenges and trouble? When you're faced with people mocking you, looking down on you, when people look at you like nothing good will come out of you. So back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are, you, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? So even Elkanah was like, Hannah, come on. Even if you haven't given me sons and daughters, forget about Penina provoking you and mocking you. I love you. I want you to eat something. Don't be downhearted. Don't be downhearted, my brother. Don't be downhearted, my sister. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit. And he says to her, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? So you know, this here is saying, when people are looking at us like we're not productive, we haven't reached their standard of success, we're barren, nothing good is coming out of us. They look at us as if we're limited. We can only, only go so far. You know? It, the way God looks at us and the way people who really love us look at us, they look at us as, so even if you can't do this, even if you haven't done this, what about this? I still love you. What about this? I still believe in you. What about this? There's something about you and you will become 
somebody, not to prove anything to anyone, but because you have what it takes, because you are gifted, because you are talented, because you are intelligent, because God has put something in you. Don't be downhearted by what people are saying and doing to you. Don't be downhearted by the way they are rejecting you and talking about you and looking down on you. No, eat. Don't focus on what you haven't produced. Focus on the love you're receiving. Focus on God pushing you. Focus on the efforts you're making. Focus on the few that love you, that believe in you. And if you can't find any, focus on yourself. You believe in yourself. You believe in God. You believe in yourself. You believe in Jesus. You believe in the Holy Spirit and what they have put in you. Because you have it. It's there. You just need to activate it. You need to act. This is why activate God's purpose exists, actually. Because sometimes, a lot of times, many, many, many of us have been put down so much. Or we've, we've, we've made such wrong turns and bad mistakes and made terrible decisions and choices and we feel like that's it this is it you know so we're kind of just taking every day uh as well just another day it's just another day and you know but god is saying there's more and i want you to be drunk with that more yes you may not have produced 10 sons 10 daughters but like elkanah is saying to hannah eat Stop weeping. I still love you. Don't be downhearted. Don't be downhearted. Don't let this get you down. Don't let this destroy you. Don't let this paralyze you. Don't let this cripple you. Don't allow it to do that to you. In verse 9, it says, Once when they had once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. So you see, now she's taking action. Thank God for Elkanah, who said to her in verse 8, Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Thank God for Elkanah, who said to her, Why don't you eat? Stop weeping. Why are you weeping? Why are you downhearted? Thank God for a person like that. I pray that if you are in that situation, that someone who has the spirit of Elkanah will come to you and say, don't be downhearted. Eat. Don't weep. You mean more than what you have not produced. You may not have, have produced this, that, and the other, but you mean more than that. There's more to you than that. Don't live in despair and misery. Have hope. Take courage. I still love you. God still loves you. Jesus still loves you. The Holy Spirit still loves you. Stop looking at Penina. Stop listening to her. Hannah, in verse 9, says, Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. My brother, my sister, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Be drunk with hope. Be drunk with strength. Be drunk with courage. Be drunk with wisdom. Be drunk with discernment. Be drunk with understanding. 
Be drunk with strength and power from God. Be drunk with authority from Jesus. Be drunk with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Yes, she cried. Ha, hallelujah. Yes, she wept bitterly. She was full of anguish, anguish. Why haven't I produced sons and daughters, Lord? Why haven't I produced this business? Why is nothing good coming out of me? Why am I going around in circles? I try this, I try that, nothing works. Nothing seems to work. Why am I alive? Why am I on this earth in the first place? Why did you bring me here, Lord? Bad relationships, bad decisions, bad coping mechanisms, trouble at work, trouble at home, trouble with friends, trouble with family, nothing. Everything is just barren and empty. What's the point? Deep anguish, bitterness. But she did one thing that a lot of people don't do. She took her anguish and her bitterness to God. She wept before her maker. Weep before your maker. Weep before your creator, my brother, my sister. Weep, cry, take your anguish, take your bitterness, take your pain, take your agony to your creator, the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. The Bible says, I will look up to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Don't let anything or anyone else deceive you. They're not your helpers. They're not your helpers. God will bring you your helpers. God will make you your helpers. He will bring them to you and he'll take you to them. There's a place and a people who God has ordained to help you, to assist you in the most genuine way, and they will want nothing back from you. Their joy will be to see you thrive, the same way Elkanah loves Hannah unconditionally, wanting her to be happy, wanting her to eat, wanting her to thrive, is the same way they will regard you. It's the same way they will treat you. Verse 11, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, If you will only look on your servant's misery. She was miserable. She wasn't in denial. She was processing her anguish and her pain and her bitterness before God. Some of us like to hide these things. We like to cover these things. But Hannah, no, not Hannah. She knew that this bitterness was overwhelming. So she wept before her God. She knew that this misery was overwhelming. So instead of allowing it to take over her, instead of allowing herself to become drunk with bitterness and misery, she takes it to God. And she says to him, if you will only look on your servant's misery, look up on my misery, Lord, and remember me 
So today, perhaps this is a good, good moment where you pause and you ask the Lord Almighty to look upon you. Look upon your circumstances. Look upon your situation. Look upon the rejection in your life. Look upon you know, things that you've lost that have made you sad and down and unhappy. Things that you haven't accomplished. Things that you want to do and haven't been able to do. That feeling of emptiness, of barrenness, of not producing, of being unproductive. That misery, whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you're trying to conquer, that valley that you're in right now, and you're looking at the mountain and you want to get to the top, but you can't because you're overwhelmed by misery, overwhelmed by bitterness, overwhelmed with your tears, overwhelmed by always seeming to fail, seeming to fail. Instead of allowing it to take over her, to consume her, and define her, Hannah takes it to her maker. And she says to him, remember me. He says, and she says, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. And then she makes a vow. She says, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. I can't tell you what kind of covenant or promise to make to God. But perhaps you have one. Hannah had one. The very thing that she could not produce, the very thing she was being mocked about, she said, God, give it to me, and then I will do this with the thing that you give me. Give me a son, and this is what I'll do. I will make sure that I dedicate him to you all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. That's a personal, deep, deep personal conversation. She said, the thing that I want most, give it to me. But she said, you know, she's not going to keep it to herself. Give it to me and I'll use it to glorify you, God. Give it to me and I'll use it to worship you, God. Give it to me and I'll use it to proclaim your name. I'll use it to glorify you. That's your conversation with God. Sorry, that is Hannah's conversation with God. What is your conversation with God? The very thing that you long for. If God gives it to you, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to present it to God and to the world? Think about it. Verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, who was the priest of that temple, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. That's how much anguish. Have you ever felt so much pain? where you cannot even find your voice to describe the pain. You cannot even find the words to describe your pain. You can't. This woman, her lips were moving. She could not be heard. She was in such deep anguish that her voice wasn't coming out, but her lips were moving. But God, who hears all things, heard her. The Bible says that God, God's ear is not deaf, that he cannot hear. He hears. 
All other gods created by the hands of man, by wood or metal, gold or silver, they can't hear. They cannot hear us. They can't help us. They can't rescue us. They can't do anything for us. They're built by our own hands. How could they possibly help us when we built them with our own hands? But you cannot build the Lord God Almighty. He's God all by himself. (laughs) He's all powerful all by himself. And so Eli thought she was drunk. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 14, and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Eli thought Hannah was drunk with the wine. Hannah says to him in verse 15, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. He thought she was drunk. But she didn't care who was looking and who wasn't looking. She didn't care who heard or who didn't hurt. She knew her deep trouble. She was deeply troubled. She had a deep need that no man could fulfill. No woman could fulfill. It would take the hand of God. And she was pouring out her deeply troubled soul to him. Eli wasn't discerning. He was a priest, but he didn't get it. He didn't understand. And that's the other thing. People are not always going to understand our pain and our sorrow, especially when it runs really deep. So sometimes people wouldn't understand, you know, just forgive them. People, you know, I I am at a place when, uh, when I talk about something troubling me and people say, oh, I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're not wearing my shoes. And I'm trying myself. I try not to say to people, oh, I understand. I get it. Unless I really do get it. Like if I've been through a similar situation, if I've been through that same thing, maybe in a different way, of course I have some understanding. If you've been through something someone is explaining to you, of course you have some understanding. But the way we all feel and process and the the the, uh, the facts of that similar situation are not exactly the same. They're not exactly the same. So we might have an idea and have a level of understanding, but what the person is actually literally feeling, what they're actually and literally feeling, we, we don't really know, we don't really understand, only God does. Because to explain deep trouble in your soul and to pour it out to a human, to a human being to understand It's difficult, it's tough. So take it to God. I can have an idea. I can sort of understand if I've been through it. But if I haven't been through it, there's no way I understand. There's no way. If you haven't been through my shoes, my experiences, there's no way you fully understand. How do you understand something you haven't been through? We all have pain and agony, but we process it differently. And it comes at us and to us in different ways. Hits us in different ways. From different angles. And sometimes it depends on our level of maturity. Spiritual, mental, emotional maturity. To know how to handle pain. To know how to handle agony. To know how to handle hurt. To know how to handle grief. We're all different and we're mature differently. 
And so she says to this priest who doesn't understand, obviously does not understand, and he's a priest, you would think that he would get it. (laughs) Sometimes you have to break out of the norm. You know, when you're deeply troubled, to part your soul to God. And yes, people will be looking on. Yes, there are people who have higher positions than you in the church or wherever you worship, but they don't really get your pain and they think you're drunk. But you're not. You're talking to God, your maker. At least hopefully you're talking to God, your maker, right? Verse 16, she says, Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. She's like, Elkanah, what are you talking about? This is not physical drunkenness. This is not because I've had beer and wine. This is not because I've had liquor. This is not because I've taken drugs. This is not because I'm, you know, using my coping mechanism to cope. This is not because of my addiction. This is not because of pleasure. This is not because I took some pills. This is not because I you know, slept around and had too much sex, you know, because, you know, people use sex as well as the way people use alcohol. People use sex, you know, to try to overcome their their problems and their troubles. People use what? They use anger. They use hurt. They hurt other people. All kinds of things to cope. Hannah said, that's not what's happening here. She said, I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. Do not take your servant for a wicked man. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. You don't get it, Eli. You think this anguish, this pain, beer or wine or coping mechanisms or addictions can, can, can erase this pain that I feel, can erase this agony, this anguish, this grief? You don't understand. Wine cannot take this away. Beer cannot heal this. Nothing else can help me. I look drunk because I'm pouring out my great anguish and grief, my misery to my maker. That which hurts so deep, you can't even begin to comprehend because I can't even find the words to explain my grief to you, my anguish to you. So don't even try to understand it. Verse 17, Eli answered, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Thankfully, thankfully, even though he didn't understand, he was mature and wise enough to bless her. I pray that as you go through, my brother, my sisters, you go through your agony and your anguish and your grief, that you will come across people even though they don't understand and even though they don't know, even though you can't explain it to them, that they will say to you, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. My brother, my sister, I pray for you today. May the God of heaven and earth, the almighty God, Yahweh, the almighty God, Elohim, the almighty God, the all-sufficient God, I am that I am. 
Oh, hallelujah. May he answer your prayers. May he answer your prayers, my brother. May he answer your prayers, my sister. You don't need to be drunk with anything else. You don't need to be drunk with coping mechanisms. I don't need to be drunk with coping mechanisms. You and I need to be drunk with God in our anguish and our grief. We need to be drunk with Jesus. We need to be drunk with the Holy Spirit. May God give us the courage, the wisdom, and the strength to be drunk with Him, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. May God answer our anguish and our grief in the name of Jesus. May God answer our troubles, our turbulence, our challenges in the name of Jesus, the things that make us angry and, and, and bitter and rejected and, and cause us to wallow in self-pity, the things that make us feel insecure, the, the things that make us ask God the question, why, when, what now, God? How long do I have to wait? When is it going to happen? When are you going to come through for me? Those things, the deep anguish, the deep questions. May God answer us today. May God respond to us today in the name of Jesus. And verse 18, Hannah, she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way. You see, Hannah didn't say to Eli, oh, you don't understand. Oh, you're this, you're that. And you call yourself a priest and this and that. No, she was humble. She's drunk with the Spirit of God. So she submits after the blessing. And she blesses him. And she says to him, may your servant find favor in your eyes. May God answer your prayers for me, Eli. May God hear you, Eli. There was no arrogance left in her, only humility and submission, only brokenness. And there's nothing wrong with that. People these days in our world act like being broken, being submissive, being humble is wrong, is bad. And being arrogant and cocky to hide our insecurities is correct. No, it's not correct. It's wrong. It's destructive to us and destructive to the people around us and the world around us. Humility and submission are powerful, are powerful. They bring favor and blessings. Humility and submission build character. There's character and wisdom in submission. I'm not talking about submission to evil. I'm not talking about submission to to abuse. I'm talking about submission to God. I'm talking about humility in the way we treat people, the way we talk to them. Hallelujah. In verse 18, she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something. Now she's going to go eat. Now she's going to do as Elkanah had asked her. She went and ate something. Now she had prayed. Now she had prayed. Now she had been blessed. Now her grief was over because she had gone to pray to God. She had gone to talk to her maker. And while she was doing that, Eli, though he didn't understand her anguish, blessed her. And she asked for favor. Now she felt light. She had gone to the right place. She had gone to her God. And she had done the right thing. She had prayed to him in her anguish. 
It says, then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. We have prayed for God to meet us at the point of our need. Let's no longer be downcast. Let's go eat. Let's wipe our tears. Let's go eat something. Let's not be downcast any longer. Verse 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. She still woke up and worshipped with them. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. You see, my brother, my sister, listener, what you need to be done for you to give birth to that mission, to that vision, God will bring the right person that night and the right time when they went home and the right place. Elkanah made love to his wife. The tools you need, the people you need, the timing, the place, God knows all of it. David said to God, you should read um, Psalm 139, Psalm 139. There David said, he said, you saw me being knit in my mother's womb. He said, all my days you have written out already. God has all your days written out. God has all my days written out. The timing, the place, the people, all of it. The the problem is we don't pursue him. We're not drunk enough with him to hear him, to follow him. We're distracted by the things of this world and the people of this world. But Hannah chose to be drunk with God. And look at what happened. The Lord remembered her. Verse 20, so in the course of time, not her time, but in his time, So in the course of time, and God's time is rough. I I have to be honest. God's timing is waiting for God to do something, not knowing when he'll do it, how he'll do it, with who he'll do it. (laughs) It's no joke. It's no joke, but it's worth the wait. God is worth the wait. He is worth the wait. Better to wait for him than to jump from the frying pan into the fire. It's better to wait for God than to jump from the frying pan into the fire. Verse 20, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. You will become pregnant, my brother, with that mission and vision, and you will give birth to it. You will become pregnant, my sister, with that mission and vision, and you will give birth to it. And gave birth to a son. You see, she asked God for the son. She looked drunk, but she wasn't drunk. She was praying and worshiping. And she said, if you give me a son, this is what I'll do. And indeed, the Bible says God remembered her. And she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. My brother, my sister, Samuel is a gift to the world. He's a gift to, when you read the book of Samuel, the Bible says that, Uh, Samuel was that prophet who his word, when he spoke something, when he said something, it came to pass. He did not miss prophetically. His gift to the world, when when, when he, he said something that God said, he was so filled with God 
Because Hannah kept her promise. She gave him back to God after she birthed him, if you keep reading that story. He became a prophet. He became a tool in the hand of God. There's something that you can give birth to that will become a tool in the hand of God, that will become a blessing to the world. Samuel was a blessing to his world. What he spoke came to pass. What he spoke came to pass and it saved Israel. It saved a nation. Who he was, what he did and what he spoke saved a nation. Your gift, your mission will save not just you, but save the world, save lives. God will remember you. Don't give up. Be drunk with him. His type of drunkenness, not the type of drunkenness the world gives. She gave birth to a son. Verse 20, she named, named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So not only did she remember, not only did God remember her, but she remembered her promise to him. And she fulfilled her promise to God. When God remembers you, will you fulfill your promise to him? Hannah dedicates Samuel to him. Verse 21, when her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. She said to Elkanah, I'm not going to come with you this time to Shiloh. What I'm going to do is, This boy has been dedicated to God. I remember my promise to God. Let me feed him. Let me breastfeed him. Let me wean him. Let me take care of him in this growth period. And then take it and give him back to God. So there's a period where your mission and your vision, there's something for you to do. There's something for you to perform. There's certain decisions you have to take and make. There's certain ways you have to build it. But as you build as you create, don't forget God who remembered you. Don't forget to dedicate it to God who gave it to you in the first place. And don't forget, remember your promise to God. Don't become so drunk with the mission and vision that you forget the creator, the giver of the gift, the creator of the gift. Don't become so drunk with success And forget the giver of that success. Don't forget, don't don't, don't become so drunk with your children, that job, that title, that you forget the giver of those children, of that daughter, that son, of that job, of that title. Don't forget the giver. Don't forget the creator. Don't forget who made it happen in the first place. He who is God, the almighty God. I am that I am. Jehovah, Yahweh, he who parts the Red Sea, who, he who makes the impossible possible. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son 
until she had weaned him. Verse 24. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, in the early stages of his life. My brother, my sister, in the early stages of your mission and your vision, when it becomes possible to start your mission and vision in the young stage, at its young stage, give it back to God. Rededicate it, dedicate it to God. It says she took the boy with her. She took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, because then, you know, they were still doing animal sacrifice, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. Remember, she, she responded to Eli and said, let the Lord favor me. Um, she brought the boy to Eli. She said to him, remember, my friend, my brother, the ones who support you, the ones who were there for you when everyone looked at you and thought you were nothing and believed you were nothing, don't forget those people. Don't forget those people. When you start reaching your place of success, when you are now successful, when you are now standing in your mission and your vision, don't forget the ones who helped you up. They are few. They're difficult to find. When you find them, when you meet them, don't forget them when your promise arrives. Don't forget them when you give birth. Don't forget them when your blessing has arrived, when the doors are open to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. 25. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Remember me, Eli? Remember when you thought I was drunk? Remember me, even though you didn't understand my anguish, you still prayed for me. You still blessed me. It's me. It's me, Hannah. And the prayers came true. God has blessed me. God remembered me with a son. And I, in turn, I remember my promise to God. Here is the boy. Here is the answer to my prayers, my anguished prayers, my agonizing prayers, my bitter prayers. So bitter you thought I was drunk. Here, God has remembered me. And she said, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child. Hallelujah. And the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. My brother, my sister, may God grant you what you have asked of him. May God remember you. May God do for you even more than you have asked of him. May God remove the anguish, the pain, and bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. She said, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked him, asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord 
for his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Samuel worshipped the Lord there. And if you continue to read the story of Samuel, Eli raises Samuel in the temple. And Samuel becomes a prophet and blesses his world in those times. What is it that you need to give birth to? Be drunk with God. Be drunk with Jesus. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Talk to them. Remember, after they have blessed you, your promise, your vow, remember the people who helped you. Remember the people who were there for you, who blessed you. Remember your vow to God, your promise to God. God bless you. God keep you. Be drunk with him. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit. I pray for myself too, to be drunk with the Holy Spirit and to remember my vows and my promises to God so that when I'm standing in him, when I'm standing in success, I remember the giver of that success. Pray that you remember the giver of your success. When everybody now knows you and everybody sees you and your business is thriving and you get that position at your job and your family is looking at you and wondering, who is this person? And those who who look down on you are now looking up to you. Remember God. Remember those who helped you. Remember and continue to be drunk in him. Stay in the drunkenness of God. Stay in the drunkenness of the Holy Spirit. Stay in the drunkenness of Jesus who came that you might have life, that I might have life and have life abundantly. John 10.10 He came to give us life and give us life abundantly. Let us stay drunk in the abundance of Jesus. Drunk in the abundance of God. Drunk in the abundance of the Holy Spirit and not drunk in the things of this world, not drunk with the people of this world, not drunk with what the systems and traditions and cultures of this world have to offer and philosophies of this world have to offer. Let's be drunk with God, in God, and remain drunk in God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. Stay drunk in him. Stay drunk in him, in Jesus' name. Thank you for being here. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. I appreciate your listening. Also remember, on Thursdays, we meet on Zoom, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. USA Eastern Time. The meeting ID number on Zoom on Thursdays is 844 844- Eight eight two two three eight two seven. We also meet on Fridays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. USA Eastern Time. And the meeting ID, the meeting ID is 826-835-83379. We also meet on Saturdays 11 a.m. 
to 1 p.m. Eastern. And the meeting ID is 811-3170-8121. And these are just forums where we meet, we pray, we talk, we chat. We help each other out. We encourage each other. We, anyone, everyone, all are welcome. We share scripture. We encourage each other. (laughs) We laugh, we cry, we talk, we chit-chat, share scripture, share about, you know, our experiences, things that are going on around in our world, trying to comprehend, you know, asking the questions, giving answers, trying to figure it all out together and not alone. God bless you. God bless you and hope to see you there.